Welcome to Just Some Brothers, a podcast with no agenda other than meeting with special guests of notoriety who may be known in sport, maybe music, and maybe even education. For that matter, anything. People who have live stories that we can resonate with as individuals. Hopefully during our segments, you get something out of it. If it's one sentence, one word, take it away with you. Because we're here as Just Some Brothers. Having some fun, spreading the word, open your mind and enjoy your time with us. On today's show, we sit back with former AFL footballer Brent Maloney, who during his career played for the Brisbane Lions, the Melbourne Football Club and the Geelong Football Club. We were very fortunate to get an insight into Brent's life during and after his football career. Now sit back and enjoy our conversation. Best man on the ground, Maloney running hard. Two, three... Gets to 55, loads up, goes long! Talk about exclamation mark! Welcome, fellas. We're here with Macca, Din, and our guest, Brent Maloney. Yeah! Hey, boys. Big B-mation. How are we, lads? Very well. Because I was saying to my wife, she said, oh, who's your first guest? And we said, "Um, a really good mate of Macca's called Beamer. I said, I don't know why they call him Beamer. She said, what's his name? I said, Brent Maloney. She said, BM. That's it. And I went, you're a detective. She knows. Yeah, See, Pete, yeah. Pete figured it out straight up. Like, That's I, right. I, I racked my brain. I was like, Beamer. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, it's just one of those things up. when you're a teenager, you know, you just come yeah. up with a nickname, you know. Yeah, so that's been your nickname ever since you were a kid. Yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah throughout my teenager. The other one's Billy, but. Well, don't be silly. But but I think think it's important that, uh, like, following on from last week, because we just had a personal experience um, episode last week, that we've got Brent on or Beamer, as we'll call him, or many names probably during the course of the night, is obviously from an AFL background and we'll probably hear a little bit about how that all developed. But for those that have, you know, that listen in and don't know about the AFL, there's... uh, Beeman played about 166 games of AFL footy uh, with three clubs. Won the Keith Tuskett medal. Uh, 2004 was a rising star. Certainly an elite player in Melbourne, Geelong and finally the Brisbane Lions. Um, so it's great to have you on board, Beeman, to share some of um, your stories with us that have both personal experiences of life that resonate probably with the people out there in terms of how that mixes with life itself. Absolutely. It's great to be here, Macca, and uh, thanks for that introduction. But, you know, uh, I'm just a country boy. Uh, I grew up in Warrnambool and um, I've had a lot of life experiences. Um, obviously played at three AFL clubs, which were all different, mm. um, but they all had the same goal and that's to win a, win a premiership. I've had some really good coaches along the way, some really great mentors, yeah. and I've had some really bad ones as well. Who's your so, worst coach, Puma? Worst coach? Yeah, um, Mark Neal. Best That's, coach? Uh, best coach, Bomber Thompson or Neil Danaher. Okay. Yep. So, and Dean Bailey actually as well. So. I'm, I'm quite happy to say that the worst I had was uh, the lamb ad guy, Sam Kekovich. Keke- oh, yeah, you he told was, me. Yeah. It was disgraceful. Yeah. So I hope you listen, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> so when, like, when, when we're talking about good and bad coaches, what, what like in your opinion, Beams, what makes a, a good coach? Uh, you really have to be a people's person. Yeah. Um, you can't treat everyone the same because we're not all the same. And once you work that out, that's why the best coaches last so long. Yeah. Because they can work with, you know, 
you know, the quiet guys. They can work with the guys who love going out and having a good time and they can relate to them because we're not all the same. And that's probably, you know, a message that we can really talk about tonight. Everyone's different. Everyone comes from different families, different yeah. backgrounds. So you got to be able to understand the person. And if you don't put that time in, all right, you won't get anything from the player. Yeah. And it's very difficult within, like, especially within like a dynamic of that professional sport where you've got a lot of egos, you've got a lot of different personalities, you've got, you know, you're all at your elite level. So obviously to be a good coach, to be able to sort of maintain and sort of like intertwine everyone to keep them together and and keep morale and all that kind, yeah. kind of stuff, I guess. Look, they're the boss, okay? So look, there's a lot of pressure on these AFL coaches, I understand. There's only 18 of them in, in Australia. Yeah. So, you know, it's we call it the pressure cooker, and especially when you're not winning games of footy. The pressure's yeah. coming, the media attention is through the roof, especially when you're in Melbourne, Adelaide or Perth, and you're at a big footy club. So... I understand the, the pressure that comes with it, but it's all about building relationships, not just with the players, the staff, it's the supporters, a, the members. You know, you've got to open yourself up. It's an interesting comment that you make, the pressure cooker, because that, that, that invites a lot of conversation. I mean, as we, we talked about off air, is that, um, you know, a young fella took his life mm. at Melbourne just in the last couple of weeks, and, and this is the pressure cooker, isn't it? Yep. Oh, absolutely. And so it is, in your opinion, because obviously after footy, you know, life after footy for you has been coaching, which is more pressure cooker, running over the white line to play or being a, a coach to guide 20 people on that field? Yeah, look, I, I, I see my job as I'm looking after 100 people. So I've got 75 players that I look after and 25 staff. So we're just a small quaffle club. You know, we're not an AFL club. We don't have 80,000 members that you've got to, um, you know, front up to every weekend. But um, but it's really the pressure you put on yourself. The, th- the thing I see is with these coaches, okay, so Bomber Thompson, yep. all right, he was, he was a fantastic person but also an unbelievable coach. Unfortunately, got caught up with the wrong people and got a drug charge. Um, unfortunately, Danny, Danny Frawley, one of the great mm. spud, you know, you know yep. him, Macca, yep. all right? Um, had a car crash, which was really sad. One of the great characters of AFL football, Dean Laidley, um, has had his challenges. Yep. Um, or Danny Laidley, sorry, um, was a senior coach. Dean Bailey, um, obviously my, one of my coaches, he, he passed away with illness, but you know a lot of pressure on him um, through that saga at the Melbourne Footy Club. Um, whether that had anything to do, took its toll on his on his body. Um, and there's a, there's a few others who I can't think of right now and we'll probably think of them later on, but that just tells you how much pressure is on these guys. Well, uh, there's a big one that was in your life with Sylvia. Yeah. Well, he was my best mate. So Colin and Sylvia, we grew up together um, playing against each other. He grew up in Mildura and we played um, for Vic Country together and he was a lad and yeah, I was a right. bit of a lad and we just we just jailed straight yeah, away. Yeah, best mates. He was a bit of a, yeah, yeah, we were just one of the boys, you know. And then I went to Geelong and I actually kept in contact with him and um, and, and then I had a, eventually had a chance to go to Melbourne Footy Club and um, we were really close mates and I thought, yeah, this is a great opportunity to go and play for one of my best mates. And, you know, we played um, for eight years together. We did everything together. If you see a photo, I'm next to him. If you yeah, see right. a photo with him, mm. um, with me, 
he's, he's right next to me. And um, we were best mates and, you know, it was very, very sad and, you know, it did take its toll when um, unfortunately he um, lost his life in a, in a car crash. But Colin lived his life on the edge. Whatever he did, he did it 100%. Mm. And uh, whether that was training, he was an unbelievable trainer, um, whether it was punting, whether it was drinking, all right, he was just, that was his mm. personality, mm. you know. And um, But I felt that I could not control him, but we had respect for each other. And there was times, yeah. you know, I was out and he's like, nah, let's go, got to go. Look, I remember a mate of mine uh, committed suicide at uh, 40 and uh, my best friend. And and um, at that time I had a little bit of anxiety and, and uh, one of the stigmas is, you know, you don't talk about it because people think there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that one of the things about this was that I learned by actually speaking at the funeral was that I actually spoke about his depression. Yeah. And as a result, it actually helped, you know, the word pressure cooker comes to mind as well, is that is by actually speaking about it, you know, mm. like we have all these things, are you okay and all that sort of stuff, is that we talk to people and we should get it out. Yeah. Um, yeah is that we have the opportunity here to like release it. Yeah, definitely. And, and if people want to judge you because of that, well, good on them. But at the end of the day is that, you know, you have to let it out because mm. we can't bottle it in. Mm, absolutely. And yeah. as a result is that these things by speaking actually sometimes give you closure. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I spoke at Colin's funeral and, um, you know, that was one of the hardest things I had to do, you know, and then obviously carry his coffin. Yeah. You know, it was, you know, the, everyone was there, you know, the Melbourne Footy Club, um, his whole family who I was really close with. Um, actually went up there, you know, a couple of days before and spent some time with his mum and dad. Yeah. And we had some drinks and sat around, you know, just sat around there, you know, back deck and mm. just told stories about coal. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever done. And that was self-healing as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? That we really helped each other through that. Yeah. Because as you're saying, Macca, growing up, that's what men did, you know. They didn't, they they didn't talk about things. Yep. You know, you go uh, to the pub and talk to your mates and maybe get something off your chest, but you wouldn't get real deep. Yeah, you wouldn't open yourself up because yeah. you'd be called soft. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So um, now, you know, there's different platforms and there's different people to speak to. It's obviously podcasts like this where you can talk yep. about yeah. these things. Yeah. Which is fantastic and yeah. it's a positive for young men all mm -hmm. around Australia. And look, it. it it is so important. I mean, you're 100% right is that, you know, 20 years ago we couldn't speak about it because it was, it was thought that, you know, that it potentially was, as I said, a stigma, but mm. we personally took it on ourselves that it wasn't okay to talk about it. That and comes from our upbringing, right? It's, yeah, it's, well, I think that, you know, my parents were Scottish and very hard, you know. Yeah, yeah. Dad, dad was the man of the house and mum sort of did... I'm not saying did what mum, dad said, but it, I mean they were staunch Scottish people, and and look, if I did something wrong, I knew I was going to get belted um, for doing it wrong. Yeah. And as a result, I think that we we learnt that we kept our emotions in, and as a result, as life's gone on, my kids have actually been the greatest lesson for me to teach me to express your emotion mm. um, and let your emotions out. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and as a result is that we're getting better as people to, to speak about what, were, what potentially are issues with ourselves and hopefully 
hopefully if it saves a life because someone could speak to someone because they feel they can, then that's a great thing. Absolutely. When, um, when Colin passed away, I actually uh, called the AFL Players Association and sort of wanted to help in, in some way where, you know, AFL players, you know, who are current AFL players or, or ex-AFL players yeah. could have someone to talk to because I'd been through it. And it wasn't a suicide. It was a, it was a car crash and it was... So if you was, don't mind me asking, Brent, what was the circumstances of... Of Collins, uh, yeah, he was just down. Um, just uh, they were just yabbing down at the dam. He was um, just driving back. His mate was in his ute, and then he was in his car. And he went. It was a country road, so yeah. you know they're pretty skinny, and then they've got the gravel on the outside, both sure. sides. So, as I said, Colin lived his life on the edge, and he went sure. to go around him, and unfortunately lost control. And uh, Dusha, his best mate, who we went to New York, we've been to America with, uh, all yeah. us four. Um, there's my other mate, Ben Livingston. You know, we were really close. You know, we went to America a couple of times, Vegas. You know, had a great time mm. and, you know, um, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was pretty traumatic. So yeah. did did he leave, like, a family behind or...? No, he, he had a new partner, so mm. um, who she, she had a little boy and um, he was so happy, you know. Yeah. He went through... A, Pretty rough patch there, yeah. um, and it's it's a it's a difficult transition uh, coming out of AFL, especially. Well, that's when what I was going to ask. Was he still playing? Or no, he'd, he'd retired, and um, he'd moved back to Mildura. So he was back around his family, back around yeah. his friends, and he was starting to, you know, uh, just get back into normal life. That's much, it. Yeah. That's it. Because living in Melbourne, a lot of people knew him everywhere he went. How hard's that transition? Yeah, oh, it's oh, it's very difficult. I was lucky um, when I retired from from the Lions. I I, I moved to Noosa. Um, I was really, really because um, I know my personality. Yeah. You know, I'm not easily led, but if there's something going mm. on, I want to be involved. And um, I just felt personally, if I moved back to Melbourne, um, you know, I would have got stuck drinking all the time and yeah. no real um, direction in, 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 yeah. in my life. So that was a I, conscious decision on, like, for on your me, part? Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was always yeah. thinking about it. And I just wanted to be in a good place, get up, be healthy, go for a run, yeah. you know, just be fit. Yeah. And I feel if I was doing that, then I was, I was in a good place. Yeah. So, so I, was there any talk of coaching at that stage or yeah, was that... Was so, that before, like, I mean, obviously it was before coaching, but yeah. were you in a position where you thought, okay, uh, effectively I've been a superstar for many years. When you've stopped doing that, yeah. what sort of space were you in psychologically then? Right. Yeah, look, I, I knew it was coming for a while. I knew mm. I was going to retire and my Achilles were buggered. I couldn't run. Once you can't run, you can't compete at the highest level. So um, I'd sort of been thinking about it for a while. I went back home to Melbourne for a couple of weeks and it was just raining for two weeks straight and I was, I've just been living in Brisbane for two years and I was like, I'm, I'm, not, Screw living this. I'm yeah. not living here. Mm. I need to be in the sun, go on the beach, go on for my runs in the morning in a really mm. good headspace. So got an opportunity to go and um, be an assistant coach at Noosa Tigers but I also got an opportunity to run a, a football academy, yeah. so the Simon Black um, Academy. Uh, and the Sunshine Coast University. Mm-hmm. So I looked after, you know, 17, 18, 19 year old kids. Yeah. You know, for four days a week. So Monday to Thursday. With football they, specifically or sports? Yeah, in so general, we did or? football in the morning. Right. Um, but also gym, you know, recovery, yeah. fantastic facilities there. And I pretty much ran the whole program. And um, it was my program. So I pretty much ran it like an AFL club. 
Yeah. And then in the afternoon they'd do study. Um, they could study any, anything they wanted to. It was, it was a fantastic program and mm. unfortunately it closed down um, for various reasons. Um, so it was running for two years up there. Numbers was an issue. You know, we had 26 kids but, you know, sometimes you'd only get 15, 16 rocking up and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So you're dealing with a lot of kids who don't have a lot of direction. Yep. So they didn't get a uni degree. Um, they haven't got an apprenticeship. They're unsure what they want to do but they love footy. Yeah. So sure. it was really good for me because I had really had to – it was life coaching as well. It wasn't yeah, just yeah. coaching football. I was actually trying to coach them through, you know, a direction, you know, trying to find a passion in yeah. what they want to do in life. And I still have relationships with those kids now. They'll text me from time to time and mm. that's the most special thing that I took away from that. That's fantastic. So, yeah. But unfortunately it finished up and then I sort of had to find another, you know, avenue because footy wasn't paying – you know, the bills. Yeah. So as you said, making you know, you go from a pretty good contract. I was probably making ten percent of what I was making when I was playing AFL. That's a yeah. So, so your lifestyle's yeah. got to change. Yeah. You know, you you, you want to live this lifestyle. Well, you're used to it. Right? Yeah, that's right. You're, you've spent so how many that years? Was, that was another challenge, and that's what a lot of guys get in trouble with. Yeah. Um, obviously, when they finish footy, um, is not having that because you put everything into it. And I did a lot of I did a lot of. Um, did a lot of courses, you know, throughout my yeah. playing career. Did a course every every year, personal training, coaches' courses, whatever. But in the real life, they don't mean anything, really. Yeah. They're just a level one course. Yeah, not and in the day It can get day, you started yeah. but yeah. it doesn't get you into a CEO role or, you sure, know, making that sure. type of money. Yeah. I mean, you've got to start at the bottom and you're 30 years old. So you're making a lot of money when your mates are – Doing apprenticeships, slagging away, pulling seven, eight hundred bucks a week. All right, and then you get to thirty, mm. and it all comes to an end. And then now your mates are in head positions, which is fantastic, and that's mm. what we always wanted. Mm. But then you've got to start again. Yeah. So that was probably the difficult thing for me. Um, not the other stuff. I was in a really good headspace, had really good people around me. Did you notice that it felt good to be useful? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was. I was waking up with a purpose. That's really important. With anyone in life, if you don't have a purpose, then what are we doing? So I was really passionate about it. I took it really serious. Um, and I felt that I had a, an impact on these kids' lives. Did you have older players that you were mates with, like Macken, for example, yep. who could almost guide you through that process kind of thing, you know? Yeah, look, you, you always talk, the AFL Players Association, there, there is help there. I, di I did ring a couple of times and no one answered the call, but... I did, I did have a lot of mentors around me. One guy who didn't play AFL, but his name's Mark Blackberry. Um, I met him at a, a Lions function and he became a really close friend, but also a mentor for me. And he set me up in the Simon Black Academy. So I'm always thankful to Mark for, you know, looking after me there, but he, he was great. Blackie, um, you know, Simon's just one of the great people, yeah. not just in football, but just in life. He was a great mentor for myself and Nathan Clark, another guy who probably make a nose, yep. Clarkie. We yes. all worked together and just bounced off each other. So um, I was very lucky to have those people around me. Yeah. No, I was just going to say that um, actually I was lucky enough to guide Beamer through the social aspect of life. <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've, uh, we've ended up uh, back here having a couple of beers at night and, and look, we've talked about this a thousand times, is that the greatest conversations are sitting around, you know, with the boys and, 
and certainly talking the chat. I mean, a lot of yeah. people think that we want to go out and no. go to the nightclubs and, mm. you know what, sitting, we actually enjoy sitting around like this and, sh- and shooting the shit yeah. and, and talking yeah. about life. And as I said, we, we talk about it. if you get one word or one sentence out of this that's important. But from our, our aspect, it's actually nice because, as I said, this is almost cleansing because we get to that's speak right. about stuff. Um, so Beamer and I actually became, even though we actually met through the line, yep. um, our friendship grew through actually, it's funny how many people you get associated with. I, I'll say to Beamer is that, you know, um, I played a lot of footy clubs. I, you know, I played more clubs than Greg Norman had in his golf bag. Um, <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day is that there's probably four or six people in each club that you actually really bond with. That's it, yep. There's 40 people that you associate with. Yep. Mm. And you said it just a minute ago, surround yourself by good people. Mm. You have good times because when it's tough, it's the good people that help (laughs) you get through that. Yeah, that's when you find out who who your real friends are. When I was playing footy, probably had 30 guys. You know, we had a big group of mates. And my old man told me when I was younger, he said, when you get older, you're only going to be able to Count your close friends on on your hand. I said, Dad, I'm friends. I'm mates. It with doesn't everyone. make sense, hey? I'm when you're young, I'm mates yeah. with everyone. Mm. You know what I mean? He goes, Yeah, I know that. But there's going to be five. Yeah, there's going to be five blokes that you'll be mates with when you're my age. And I just couldn't understand it, but now I do. Um, but when I was playing footy, people you know wanted tickets, and I was a person that always didn't want to let my mates down. Didn't want to let. I'd do anything to get tickets for me mates, and I was I was focusing on that more than the bloody game. Yeah. So I was trying to help me mates out or girls or whoever. So um, what I'm trying to say is um, when when the curtains close, yeah. a lot of those people, you know, you, you don't hear from them anymore. For people who, like you were saying, you know, I mean, you finish when you're 30, right? Yep. And coming from a country town, I assume you went through that experience of, you know, you're really good and proficient with all your mates in the country town, right? Yep. But when you then go to a like a bigger club or something, then you're you know you've got a lot of other people that are as good as you, maybe, right? Absolutely. And then you go through this like long period where you have this like a clan, you know, like a group of people you can rely on. The one side of it, which is the training and the accomplishment, where you've got a, an actual game, so that's structured. Yep. Then you've got this unstructured aspect of it, that's which it. is the after after all of that's happened. So most people don't, like you were saying before, don't have the experience of having all of that sort of adulation and uh, and the, the feeling in your own self of accomplishment in, in the sense that there's this optimal performance in yourself. It's got nothing mm. to do with anyone else. So that all gets kind of compressed into this 10 years. And then to expect people to come out of that and just face the world without anything else. Whereas I think the rest of the world would look at that as, oh, you've got everything, you'll be right, mm. just yeah. sail on in, you know. Yeah. But then you're coming off that high... So it's no wonder that some people would become a little bit lost, you know. That's it. Like um, once that last payment goes in in October, <laughs> you know, you're paying off two houses and you've got a Range Rover and then they're not there anymore. Um, you, you finally sort of wake up and go, shit, I've got to get my shit together. Yeah, it's just one of those things uh, that you've got to deal with and you've got to deal with quickly. And as I said, it all comes around to the people you hang around. Is that something that the... I know the AFL have got better at it. Yep. Obviously, with um, you know, certainly teaching kids to you know, Look after do their a money. university, yep. invest, do yep. do, yeah. do a trade yeah. or do That's something. It. Because I think it, I think it's one percent mm. of footballers 
um, have an afterlife of you know, footy media, club, media, yeah, etc. So they've 1%. got percent, one percent. One will only work for Channel Seven. They'll get yep. one new player each year uh, or a coach, um, and then you know the radio stuff which I've done. You know, depending on where you are, what state you're in, if someone's retired or if there's a spot there for you. So that's where the one percent comes in. You know. So you've you've got to prepare ninety nine percent ready for the afterlife, mm. which absolutely. is hard, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it's absolutely. Because when you, you've got to, for people that don't really understand, is Melbourne's a mecca of football. I mean, you can't walk down the street, Beamer, without people saying, oh, get out. Oh, well, it's know. a religion and, um, yeah. It's, so, it's, you know, yeah. for a certain extent, did you find moving up here to the Lions got you away from that spotlight? Oh, absolutely. That was one of the reasons. I did come up. I wasn't really big on being in the limelight and stuff like that. Yeah. Did some media stuff here and there, but I was really focused on football. That was my job is to, um, you know, compete every week and try and win games of footy. But I was always good with people. I come from a very humble, you know, family and uh, there was one thing that I used to teach young boys is, you know, uh, if someone comes up to you at the nightclub or out at a function or whatever, always give them the time of day. Just give them 30 seconds. But if you keep ignoring, ignoring them, yeah. they're going to come over, they're going to throw a bit of ice and then, you know, their mates are going to say something and then something's going to happen. You know, whether they're being smart or not, always just turn around and shake their hand and just ask how their night's going. And yeah. they go back to their mates, gee, he's a good bloke. Mm. All right, it didn't yeah. take that long. It didn't even take 30 seconds. Yeah. It only took five. All right, but you just got yourself out of... A potential, you know, because Definitely. everyone's trying to test you, especially because you go out with everyone and everyone sees. Yeah, you know that's, I mean? that's, that's a yeah, big that's group. A, that's an extraordinary sort of situation to be in, especially for like people who would never understand what you go through, like just a, just the normal people. And I wasn't like, that big guy. So like, yeah, I wasn't a poster boy or anything like yeah. that. But still, um, at the end yeah. of the day, you're... Oh, you are in you my know, room. So oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> 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 but at the end of the day, you know, like as you said, like, it's a religion. Mm. So, you you know, Melbourne, I couldn't only imagine what life would have been like for you actually going out and, and doing all that kind of stuff because it's it just, it's just not normal. So it's – but that would have become your normal yeah. to some extent, right? Yeah, yeah, you just – yeah, but you just get used to it. Yeah. But you've got to, you've got to grow up really quickly. Mm. It, it's, it's hard for the younger kids because no one knows them and then they might play five or six games and get a Rising Star Award. And yeah. And then they'll go out because you don't go out a lot during the season. Sometimes I wouldn't drink for three months. But did, did you know what I mean, mean you, so, you got the Rising Star in 2004? Yeah. So did, did that give you expectations early? It was, just, it was just a nomination for that, that round. Mm. So I didn't win the whole award. Yeah. But, um, but you were recognised? Yeah, recon yeah recognised. Yeah, you could say that. Um, I was really enjoying my time at Geelong. Maloney. Look at this for a kick from Maloney. Backed himself in from a long way out. Didn't worry about the breeze and kicked through the ball and gets the goal. Fourth for the Cats this quarter. You know, we played in a Premier League final against Brisbane and got beat by six points at the MCG. And um, I played in all three finals uh, that year and I was thinking, oh, beauty, we're going to be great. This is going to be fantastic. Mm. We're going to be part of a, a dynasty. You know, mm. we are young. We had Bartel, Ablett, Stevie J. Chappy, yeah. you know, we had this young... So you these know, are guns, yeah. Yeah, just, um, you know, household names now. Yeah. And yeah. Um, 
I didn't want to go anywhere and I'm probably going off track here, Macca, but um, we went to Noosa for a footy trip, me, Gaz, a couple of the younger boys. Um, Noosa's my favourite place, destination in Australia. So we went up there. It wasn't much of a footage. It was more just a boys' trip away, catch up, a few beers at the surf club, that sort of stuff. Mm. And um, I, get a, I get a phone call from my manager and he goes, oh, Beamer, um, do you want to get traded? And I said, no, not a chance. I've just played in a Premier League final. We're going to be great for the next 10 years. And my manager rang back again. He goes, oh, you know, Hawthorne, Collingwood, Richmond and Melbourne are keen to talk to you. I said, oh, Melbourne. And uh, Melbourne played in the 2000 grand final. This is in 2004. Mm. Okay, so four years later. I grew up, our whole family breaks from Melbourne. All yeah, right? So yeah. when I was in the backyard, when I was a young kid running around, all I wanted to do is run out for the red and blue. Yeah, right. So um, I said, oh, Melbourne. He goes, yeah. Anyway, he goes, Neil Danaher's flying up tomorrow. He wants to meet you. Righto. You know, Neil Danaher is a legend. You know, yeah, like a massive figure, and you know we all know him yep. now. So at this point, were you were you were you thinking, yeah, like, or you just going to entertain? No, and, see and I was on a, I was on a footy trip with my teammates, yeah, so it was yeah. a really awkward position. And he said he's flying up, so I had to meet him. And the boys said you have to so, meet him. Yeah, hang course, on, yeah. we got to go. We got to wind back because I can't yep. let you stop there. You, you're with Ablett. Yep. You're with some gun names there. Yep. What do you say to them? Well, you just got to say, I've just spoken to my manager because he's your best mate. So you just, yeah. you don't talk to him like footballers. You yeah, talk yeah, to him yeah. like your mates. I mean, and we're young teenagers. So, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, my manager's, because there was about 15 guys on the on the trade table. Corey Enright, there's a few other guys. Ablett and Bartel, were, they, they, they went on it. Okay, so Geelong were trying to get a Ruckman. Okay, they needed a Ruckman. They went, they wanted to get Brad Ottens. So yeah. Richmond had a pick there that they were going to give to... Melbourne, and they're going to use that to get get a player. Okay, so um, anyway, Neil Danaher flies up. We, I meet him at the surf club. I'm I'm nervous as hell. You know, they call him the Reverend. I've always looked up to him <laughs> as as a um, you know as a figure. You know, he had a you know big personality. Yep. Anyway, he buys the first two beers and he goes, "We're sort of having a having a beer." And he goes, "I'm starting in the middle, round one." All right. So he's already said to me, "I'm starting in the middle." And then he sculls his beer. I'm just, you know, I'm probably you know, a third through mine. He goes, right, your shout. And he sort of just broke the ice with us and I went and had a beer and then I come back and I said, yeah, I'm coming, mate. I'm coming to Melbourne. And How do you explain that to your mates? Yeah, it was a difficult one, you know, being on a football trip. But, um, yeah, it was just one of those things. Um, one, someone had to go and um, I was still contracted at Geelong so I could have just said no and they would have left me alone. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. I, like... When the trade happens, like you don't have to. If your contract's no. not up, you don't have no, to. No, that's right? right. So, you know, it was it was a d- difficult decision, but my dream was to run out at the MCG. This is your dream team. Uh, oh, but right? I, can't, yeah. I, and, I can't let you get away from this. Yes. How did you explain this to Ablett? To the boys. the boys. I think I just, yeah, just said boys. How, paint a picture. Where were you? Oh, we're down at Hastings Street at a little bar and Scotty West was there actually because he used to go up to Noosa and he, he was at the Bulldogs. The but he yep. was there as well. They were all just catching up and you know, they're all like, how'd it go, how'd it go? And I said, boys, I'm going to Melbourne. And they've all just sort of, you know, dropped their beers and, you know what I mean? <laughs> it was a bit sad. We are actually crying, yeah. So, yeah. And uh, Bomber Thompson rang me um, and uh, he was crying on the phone. We had a really, you know, strong connection and strong relationship. He gave me my first opportunity at AFL football, mm-hmm. so I'll always be thankful for that. 
And Geelong Footy Club were unbelievable, very professional and um, just a great club. So it was hard. But I will say this, um, and not many people know this, but I was at Geelong and I had a lot of mates there and some mates who I'm still friends with now who were, they were uni students. You know, they were living a different lifestyle to me. Sure. Okay, yeah. going out Wednesday nights, going out Friday, Saturdays. And sometimes I'd jump on with them as a teenager. So I felt that I sort of needed to distance myself from that. And that was one of the reasons why I only went an hour up the road. But, you know, um, that was another reason why I thought, hang on, because I'd been in trouble a couple of times. Yeah, so, go. yeah, so are you st still at Geelong? You've told the boys that you're dogging them. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and you're, uh, you've just ended the footy trip because they're all devastated. That's right. Pulled out of the box of tissues. And here is Beamer going to drive up the road, uh, leave Geelong. Which yeah. is which for people who don't realise it's like a satellite city of um, yeah. of Melbourne or, or Victoria, um, and drive up the road and all of a sudden you're going to be in the big city. That's it. And so uh, Warnable, the little Warnable boys, gone yeah. Geelong. Yeah. He's moved up the ladder. Yes, moved he's, into. It's gone into Melbourne. Who'd moved, you move? Who'd, into, you, who'd you move in with in moved uh, into, Melbourne? Moved into Collingwood. I lived in this uh, five-level <laughs> warehouse. It was unbelievable. A guy mm. from Warnable. He was a lawyer and uh, he owned it. So he said I could stay there and um, so I lived there and we used to have some parties there. It was pretty, pretty really? fun, yeah. But, um, but uh, yeah, Melbourne Football Club, you know, I had some, um, met some really good people, some great people. Robbie Flower, probably one of the greatest mm. Melbourne players. He was a mentor of mine and um, we used to catch up for coffee each week and he unfortunately passed away through yep. illness. But, um, you know, our friendship is something I'll, I'll, I'll never forget. But... You know, I met so many great people at the Melbourne Footy Club. Didn't have a lot of a success early on. You know, we played finals. Um, and then I went through a lot of injuries. So um, I had osteopubis, which is a, an overuse injury through the groins. Uh, yeah, dislocated my shoulder on Queen's birthday um, against Collingwood. So, you know, I had a bad run of injuries. My first year at Melbourne was pretty good. Um, you know, played 21 games and come fourth in the best and fairest or whatever. So... It really comes down to having a full pre-season. Yeah. How do you get back from, because we, we, we talk about this, that to understand your highs, you've got to have lows, is that you've had a couple of years out of footy, probably sometimes in your head going, am I, am I going to come back to this? Because it's not a bad lifestyle. Yeah. And all of a sudden is you play again in 2009 and you have your best year. Yeah, look, the, it was interest, interesting because uh, uh, Dean Bailey, Neil Danaher finished up in 2006 Dean Bailey come on as coach in 2007 and because I was injured, didn't have much of a relationship with him. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. And then um, I met this guy, his name's Kelly O'Donnell, he was assistant coach and because I was in rehab, I was really tunnel vision about trying to get back in the main group. I was just training by myself a lot and uh, we're doing extra hands on our day off one day and he goes, geez, you're a selfish prick. And I said, what? And he was pretty straight down the line, Kelly. Okay. And I'm still friends with him now. And I always thank him when I see him. But he goes, why aren't you dragging someone with you? Why aren't you bringing someone here with you? Why are you doing it by yourself? Why is oh, it yep, just yep, me and you? Yep. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm trying to get back, mate. He goes, yeah, but all you care about is yourself. I said, yeah, I'm fucking, I'm injured. I'm out of the main group. And he just opened my eyes. And, uh, and then I started helping others around me. And we said, it was something I used to do. I used to do a lot of boxing. So I started taking boxing. Started taking Big Nita for boxing, Adam Uze, all the, all the superstars. Started doing boxing, holding the pads for them, you know, whatever. And I found a purpose. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about finding a purpose. 
I found a yeah, purpose. Yeah. And then I started to become a leader. And then I was in the leadership group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And it happened that quick because I started caring about others. All right. Yeah. Because I couldn't have an influence on the group because I wasn't in the main group. Yes. Because I was injured. So. You're not in the I'll never forget that. Day day well, I, I, know, I know what it's yeah. like to be dropped from the leadership group. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got to understand is, um, and I actually, pretty, just, we're pretty I, was actually, I was actually just going to say that, um, funnily enough, we're, we're here one night and um, uh, I would thought, I, I thought you might have learned by lessons, but you are a selfish prick because uh, <laughs> you, you won't leave. Um, but anyway... Um, we had this little crew of people and um, we created a leadership group amongst I don't know how it happened, to be honest. Um, but Beamer, Beamer dropped me. Yeah. One night I found out just by whispers. You are right. You'd be dropped, McIntosh. You are no longer in the leadership group. Uh, you were un- unreliable. Uh, unreliable. Un- untrustworthy. Seriously. Untru- uh, <laughs> hey, Beamer, I've, I've got a – I just want to take it back a bit. Yep. When you made that move. Yes. Right, you've – you're in the club that you grew up, like yeah. just dreaming yeah. of. supporting it. Like your whole family supports it. Yeah. What was that feeling like going out there for your first game? Yep. Your family, what that meant to you, what that meant to your family? Like yeah, how, it, was, how, it was a massive build-up um, and it was actually the Troy Broadbridge game. Not sure if you know Troy Broadbridge but... Yeah, he's another one, unfortunately, who passed away in the Boxing Day tsunami. Okay. So him and his partner um, were over there for their honeymoon and obviously the tsunami come through. He pushed his partner up and saved it and he got washed away. So it was a big build-up to this game. We are playing Essendon at the MCG. Obviously, Dennis says, you're starting in the middle, which I did. Kick the first goal of the game. Um, wow. I didn't kick a lot of goals. It was a packed MCG. And, you know, it's like you know, everything you've dreamt of has come down to that moment, kicking that first goal. Yeah. And that just settled the nerves really. And um, we ended up beating Essendon that night and, you know, it was one of the, you know, that's probably the most memorable game. That's uh, yeah. My favourite game. Um, so first game, you kick the first goal. Yep. You get a win, first game. Three Brownlow votes. Yep. Three well, Brownlow votes. Just thought you'd throw that in. Oh, <laughs> you have to, You're, the stats, you have to. You're <laughs> the stats man. I never you got You haven't one. dug that deep, have you? <laughs> no. But, no. I have dug deeper. Let me – it's coming <laughs> that's up. It, that's it. So, so yeah, mate, it was um, it was unbelievable oh. start. Then round two we beat the Bulldogs. Round three we played Geelong, okay, at the MCG. So Friday you're old boys. Night, Friday yeah. night. I was pretty fired up. I bet. I thought I've got to get someone here because yeah. otherwise – Someone's going to get me. That's right. So first five minutes, you know, starting in the middle or whatever, and then Bartel's coming at me and I ran straight over the top of him. I got two weeks for it. And we were good mates, Jim, me and Jimmy. And we, you know, we don't speak as much now, but when we see each other, you know, it's all good. But, um, yeah, he went to hospital for four days, and which was quite scary actually when you think about it now. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't. My intentions weren't to do that to him. Of course um, not. So You're, um, the ball was there, yeah. and I ran over the top of him. That, but so that that poses a question. Do you think football's softer now than when you play back? And I, I don't. You, like you're only a couple of years out, but mm. maybe that hit. For example, what would that get you now? Well, that was the start of yeah, seven eight weeks. That, that was the start of the head head knocks. So if you hit anyone in the head, it goes straight to the tribunal, which is I think is fair yeah. because we've got to protect the head. And, do they um, look at it as an intentional hit or do they? Um, well, what we looked at is he went head first and I, I turned sideways. So you just hipped in, okay, right? Okay, and I just yeah. I said it's a technique. Yeah. I was taught, 
you know, by Brian Brown, Jonathan Brown's old man. Yeah. When you're coming in, protect yourself, turn your body, get nice and low. And um, Jimmy used to lead with his head. He used to get a lot of free kicks with it, but he, he got unstuck this time. Yep. But um, we beat Geelong that night, um, and that was a, that was another very memorable night. Yeah, I really enjoyed my time at Melbourne. We had a lot of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Um, went through, you know, um, a lot of poor years, a lot of rebuilding years. So what we had to tell your mates that you're, you're now going to Melbourne? And look, I, I understand, you know, like, I mean, for me, I, back when I was playing, it, the dra- it wasn't the draft, mm. you know, like with you it was the draft, was, yep. is that you lived around the area, that's where you were zoned. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, you know, from your point is that at Hastings Street, you've told the boys that, um, hey, I've got to move on, I'm, I'm going yep. to Melbourne. Yep. What about that second phase? How did, how did that happen where all of a sudden is the, the team you love, the team you've grown up with? Yep. You know, I've seen some amazing pictures of you standing on the MCG and, and obviously very special moments for you is all of a sudden is you've got to go north. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was my decision. Um, I'd come to the end of a contract and um, unfortunately didn't get along with the coach, Mark Neal at the time. Um, I won the best and fairest the year before and was vice-captain of the football club and Brad Green, myself, Brad Green was a captain and there was three vice-captains, myself, Aaron Davey, was one of the greats I've played with, and Jared Rivers, uh, Backman, who was very courageous mm. and a great guy. Um, we were the leadership group. Mark Neal's come on board. The night I won the best and fairest, I went up and shook his hand because he's from Geelong. Okay. And I know a lot of people that knew him. Oh, g'day, mate. He go, oh, you know, he goes, nah. Gave me nothing. I won the best and fairest that night. Thanked a few people. Thanked my family, you know, all my teammates. And... Um, and then got to training, he wouldn't speak to us. So Not, straight off the bat, yeah. he's, he's... Well, he had this five-year plan and he felt, you know, I, I felt I was in my prime. I don't know what it was um, that he didn't like, but um, I actually tried to leave the club the year, that year when I won the best in Ferris. I actually went to James Hurd's house. I was going to go to Essendon because I'd been through a lot of stuff in Melbourne and I just felt I needed a change. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, um, p- political stuff. Mm. So um, I was trying to go to Essendon and that's the only thing I can think of is because I tried to leave and he found out. But we just, we had meetings one-on-one. I'd never had a one-on-one meeting. He always had someone else in the room. I just mm, wanted to okay. talk to him. I said, what, what, what do you want me to do? You know, so it was Especially just a, being part of the leadership group. Like yeah. He, it was, he, he should be wanting well, to talk to you. And he yeah. threw us out and he put Jack Grimes and Jack Tringove in who were fantastic young kids. Geez, they were good kids. And he gave him the captaincy, which was bizarre, 2021, 20, to, to captain a, a, uh, an AFL club, mm. the oldest AFL club in the, in the land, in the world, okay? Uh, Melbourne Football Club's the oldest club in the, in the world. And, um, yeah, to have that responsibility um, as a 20-21-year-old 20, is, is, is a lot to, lot to take. Well, that's, that's given me closure knowing that you've also been dropped from a leadership group. <laughs> yes, well, that happened after an incident, but you know, it's it's one of those things. I, I, I took the um, took the heat for a couple of. Other but you but you made that vocal too. You put that on your favourite little thing. You know, you and I go out, and your your go to is uh, here's my Instagram. <laughs> so I think you said a comment on Instagram. No, that was when um, Neildy got sacked, which was unfortunate. Yep. But um, 
Was it yeah. really unfortunate? Oh, sorry, yeah. What were the exact words? But I just said karma is a bitch. I just put a post up because it made, yeah. it made me leave my, the club that I loved mm-hmm. yeah, and, yeah. you know, I played 122 games there. Did that hurt you? Yeah, absolutely. It was a massive decision, yep. Um, so, but I, I wanted to leave. I wanted I wanted to get the hell out of there. So the contract was like, wasn't up. This is a, uh, the contract was up, so I could move. Yeah, I was, were, I was the first free agent. You were oh, the first okay, free yeah. agent yeah. of football, yeah. So, yeah, so, um, yeah I, I could sort of move anywhere. I was going to go to Port Adelaide mm-hmm. and then um, I was over in Mexico with my girlfriend at the time and um, Vossi rings. And obviously my manager told me he was going to ring. Michael Voss, you know, one of the greats right. of the game. Yeah. I, I see him as the top three players I've ever seen and he was a player that I emulated and tried to be like. Mm-hmm. You know, we were both inside midfielders. I was never as good as him. Wouldn't even um, clean, his, clean his socks. He was a fantastic player and a leader, triple premiership captain. But um, he rang me and uh, goes, Boom, I want you to come to Brisbane and I want you to wear number three. Oh, I want you to wear my number. And that was, yeah, that was it. <laughs> I just said, yeah. So for anyone looking, it's uh, Instagram, Beam Nation 3. <laughs> That's you'll, it. You'll find him. Look him up. Uh, he's got all the pictures of him in Melbourne. No, Even I don't. there's a there's a really good picture of uh, you uh, before you got uh, inked up. Really? Um, yeah. With with the colours painted on you. What's, oh, what's that yeah. about? That's what's not that? on Instagram. No, that was for the Herald Sun um, before Queen's birthday. It's one of the biggest games of the year. Probably goes Anzac Day and then Queen's birthday is Melbourne Collingwood. So they always just try and pump it up, and they painted me. I didn't realise that that's what I was doing, but it was a bit late. And, uh, yeah, my mates tend to send it to me every now and then just to remind me that it was a stupid photo. So <laughs> that's I would never have said it was stupid. Yeah. Oh, looked all looks right. a bit silly. So uh, life's moved on. So we've gone to the Lions now. Yeah, so I moved up to Brisbane and absolutely loved it up here. This is where the game's turned around. They march forward again. Maloney goes for Just a, it was a great, um, you know, just a great change for me living in Melbourne for eight to ten years and Victoria and never lived in Queensland. Coming up here in the middle of winter, it's 23 degrees. Yeah. I'm yeah. just going, how good is this? Mm. So, um, yeah, really enjoyed my time under Vossi. I thought he was a really good motivator, really good coach. Um, he backed me 100%. And unfortunately, I started to get some Achilles problems, probably late in my first year at Brisbane and, you know, I did my calf and then I did my hamstring over at Adelaide. So I was starting to get a bit of wear and tear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the year after when Leper come on board, you know, I did half the pre-season and then, yeah, it was just lingering. I was getting um, epidurals every week to play. So wow, I was getting right. knocked out. And, um, mm. Is yeah, that so the I, uh, spinal yeah, anesthetic? Yeah, the knife, uh, the, yep. the uh, needles, the you know, it's about a foot long. and. Um, yeah, they'd knock you out and then so I wouldn't train all week and then I'd train on the Friday before the game and then play and then eventually, you know, your training goes down, your fitness goes down and yeah. and then, you know, each time you do it, it doesn't work as well. Well, they, that injury, you can't be fixed, right? That Achilles. Well, yeah, the thing is it was coming from my back, so it was a neural. Oh, okay, So yeah, while yeah, you get yeah. the epidural, it blocks all your neural yeah, in your legs. Pathways, yeah, pathways. Yeah, pathways. Yeah. So um, it, was, it was, but the, my pain was in in the Achilles. Oh, okay, yeah. So it's not like I went and got an Achilles um, operation. Like it snapped fixed. or whatever, yeah, That's yeah. it. So um, it was a difficult one, um, but 
my time was up. I could have hung around another year or two and tried to. But I, but I how, felt, how I felt, hard would how hard was that? Like you are in the limelight. You know, you've had ten years of football, and and I think twelve. Twelve. Sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Sorry for partying. That's <laughs> uh, but. Uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> two, who's two between friends? Um, but, you know, you've been in that, that, that echelons of people, you know, with sporting for that long and then all of a sudden is that, you know, that comes to that massive decision is that mm. this is potentially over. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you get a mindset to deal with that? Well, yeah, no one can prepare you for it. You know what I mean? People can tell you what to do, but it's really what you want to do. So, as mm. I said to you, you've got to find mm. a passion. Mm. You've got to find a purpose. Mm. And my purpose is helping people. Yeah. All right? As much as that guy said, you're selfish, which I was probably was on the outside looking in, mm. but I felt like I was a really good teammate and I'd do anything for my teammates. It sounded and though that the, it was, the, the totality of your being isn't that, but he was pointing out something which made it. a light go on for you to go, Ex oh, fuck, you're right. Yeah, exactly. I am being mm. like that now, you know. Exactly. And we have a, a trademark at our footy club. It's, it's called We Not Me. Mm. And it's yeah. about helping and dragging others with you. Mm. So that's our trademark. That's everywhere we go. It's all our shirts. It's mm. all around our club rooms. Mm. And um, that's a mantra that I found and um, that I live by now. So, um, yeah, I suppose it's just part of my journey. That decision's come. You've had to how – did, how did you announce to the boys that it's time to finish? Yeah, so uh, obviously got the boys in. Uh, it was probably around, around 18, 19 and Brisbane were fantastic the way they sent me off. I was only there for, you know, under two years, you know, played 20 mm. – 21, 21 games. Thanks, that's me. <laughs> and, uh, well, I thought, I, I thought and, I'd better get that number yeah, right because I got 12. <laughs> that's right. 10. And uh, it was a big difference, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, but – yeah, they were, they were fantastic the way they looked after me. Dean Warren who was a footy op, footy manager, and um, you know the players were fantastic, great support. Um, I just I just spoke to the players, and I just wanted to do it in the in the change rooms. I didn't want to make a big fuss of it. That's where I had me fun mm. with all my mates. Mm. That's where I wanted to announce it because that's mm. where I felt comfortable. And uh, did you have felt, an end? Did you have an end date? Like a, a a time when you wanted to end it? Um, you think about it for a while. Once you, I felt for myself, once I can't compete at the highest level, you know, some people hang around and, and, and you know, they, mm. they get a bit of a longer career, which is fantastic. But if I couldn't do what I used to be able to do, yeah. I'm not enjoying it. Yeah. I'm frustrated. So if I couldn't explode out of a stoppage or, you know, um, hit a pack as hard as I could, mm. then, you know, because I couldn't bend over because my back's knackered, yeah. I, I felt I wasn't enjoying football. Yeah. Yeah, so sure. that's why I retired yeah well you haven't retired no i mean football's yeah. carried on for you you've you've, you've look life's education isn't it you're talking yep. about you know are you the teacher or are you the pupil yep and now you've become the teacher yes so yep. you've gone from the pupil now you're a teacher of young kids at, at the grillers yes um, and um got a great program going out there yeah and yep. um Certainly, uh, potentially, good good year looking ahead. Um, as I said, you've got a good program going there, and um, mate, what's 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 this year unfolding for you? Yeah, look, um, I took over the senior role. This is my third third year of senior coaching. I coached the under 18s the year before that. We won the premiership, and a lot of those kids have stuck around, and 
and uh, and and become senior footballers, mm. which is fantastic. But yeah, I'm really passionate about coaching. Um, I actually enjoy it more than playing um, when I think of it, because when you put something together and it all works on a Saturday, there's no better feeling mm. when it all comes together and the players are all going in the same direction. Yeah. Can you sort of cite examples in of um, we're saying kids, so 18 year olds or whatever that you've actually seen a transformation in them? Because um, I'm assuming being a coach, you need to have high empathy because you have to yep. be able to actually tune in, I guess, to whatever anyone's going through. Absolutely, yeah. Ha- have you found that? Have you found star examples where you go, wow, I could really really highlight something for this person and then yep. see them overcome an obstacle? Yeah, absolutely. So people always ask, what's your coaching style? And mine's black and white. So, you, you know, Maka, you asked me, who's, who's your best coach? And it was uh, Bomber Thompson and Neil Danaher and they come from Kevin Sheedy. Mm. I come from Essendon and it was very black and white, so you knew where you stood. So as a player, I always think, how did I like to be coached? And I, I didn't like any grey area. And when I had grey area, well, like I did with Mark Neild and Lepper and didn't know where I stood, okay, I, I didn't feel comfortable. So it's, it's, it's confronting sometimes and I know we're in a new age and new era. But mm. I've built relationships with these people and yeah. these kids over a number of years. So I feel I can give them a clip yeah. and, then, and then give them a hug and put an arm around them. And they understand exactly what I'm talking about. So it's all about building relationships. But if I don't know you and I come over and, go and give you a spray, you're going to mm. go, who's this bloke? Mm. But if I actually care about you, mm. we go and get a coffee or go around to your house and have a couple of beers or something, they understand. Mm. This bloke actually cares. Mm. Coaching is all about building relationships. We actually say that in the football world is that there's very few people who are very good players and very good coaches. Yep. You're either yeah. one or the other. Yeah. You're either a very it. good player, probably an average coach, or you average player, very good coach. Mm. And I think we say Matthew, Sheedy, yep. there's a few. Yeah, not, not a lot of the, the greats of the game either go into coaching because they're, they're, they've got this natural ability where they don't have to think their way through games. If you look at all the coaches over the years, a lot of them are halfback flankers, back pockets who got the best out of themselves. Damien Harvey, Alistair Clarkson, just, you know, to name a few. Bomber so, Thompson, you know, they were great players, but they really got the best out of themselves. So, so, so knowing that, do you look at yourself and say, I know that's a hard feat to be mm. both. Mm. So I was a good player. Am I a good coach? Yeah. Oh, and that's that's still to be um, judged on. You know what I mean? My coaching career isn't over. We're building. You know, we've we had a plan when when I when I took over the senior role. I knew it was going to be a difficult. You know, the club was on its knees. Mm. You know, had no money. You know, had great facilities. You know, um, playing group was aging. Um, so I really had to turn it around. I, mean, I had to start again. Mm. So the past two years, I've played our young kids. Our average age uh, last year was 19. So we're playing against Broadbeach and Labrador and they're all 25, 26-year-olds at the top of their game. So we can compete for two and a half, three quarters and then there'll be a, a stampede of six yeah, or seven goals yeah. in a quarter. Whether it's the first quarter, whether it's the third quarter, it's going to happen at some mm, stage. Mm, mm. But the guys have an absolute crack. But mm. this year we've been able to add some pieces mm. and some mature age recruits, which is mm. going to hopefully get, us, get some respect back. All right, we yeah. don't talk about finals, don't talk about grand finals. All we're focusing on is getting respect in the quaffle. Yeah. All right, and all the other stuff will look after itself. Mm-hmm. For any young kid coming through now who's 
who's looking at probably going into the draft or basically getting picked up to go. Could be any sport, really. Into anything. Yeah. What's, from your opinion, what's the best bit of advice that you could give based on what you went through, good or bad, for, yeah, the, for, um, any, for anybody who's looking at getting into that top tier elite sort yeah, of sport? Yeah, you've got to have dedication. Yeah. Okay, so you've got to be dedicated to your craft. All right, so my old man said you either go to work or you go up to the Oval and train. Mm-hmm. And um, my old man, you know, was a hard and fair, fair man. He wasn't really hard but he, he supported me. My mum and dad are the biggest supporters, you know, of my whole career and, and my sister's career and everything we've done. Um, we're a really close family and they were at every game they could get to. And they drove me, you know, we used to leave uh, Warrnambool at 4am and get to Windy Hill to try and play for Victoria. So we'd get there at 7am for an 8am game and, you know, little things like that, you know, y- you remember. Sure. You know, yeah. as a young kid, I'm, I'm, in, the back, I'm yeah. in the back sleeping. Yeah, they don't have yeah. to do that. I was yeah. very lucky that yeah. I had a you know, great support system around me. So, but you, you have to be dedicated. And that's, it is a craft, right? That's it. Yeah. That's it. But as a young kid, you just have to enjoy yourself. I don't mm. think you can put too much pressure. Yeah. You'll find, you know, your path. Mm. So especially, you know, until they get to 14, 15 in footy terms, then you can start taking it a bit more serious. But I just, I'd, I'd be saying to kids is really enjoy whatever sport you're playing and try, try as many sports as you can because yeah. they actually help each other. Mm. So I was never good at basketball or cricket, but I loved playing it. Yeah. And I think that helped me in, in terms with football as yeah. well. So, yeah, and just be humble. Be humble and that's something my old man taught me. You know, I, I used to jump in the car and I'd be like, oh, did you see that goal? Or oh, I got best on ground. He's like, yeah, but what about when Toka ran off you or, or someone you know, ran off you and, and kicked a goal? And I'd be like, oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. He sort of kept me grounded. Yeah. But yeah. he also, but he'd he mm. lift me yeah. if I had a bad game and mm. stuff like that, but he mm. always kept me grounded. And um, I think that was really important growing up. Yeah. You know, you've obviously learned your life stories through different parts of your life and, and trying, to, trying to pass that on to the young kids that are mm. coming through um, the football you're at now. So, but what happens when you move on from that? What do, what do you think's ahead? Yeah, look, I... I, I Personally, don't look too far ahead. Um, I'm really focusing on what I'm doing now. And I think that should look after itself. And that's how we look at terms in in footy. um, Don't worry about the outcome, get the process right. And then the outcome will look after itself. That's so So cool. That's that's sort of how I look. You know, people say, oh, why don't you go back in the AFL? Well, I don't have to go back in there for my own personal ego or anything like that. I'm really happy doing what I'm doing. I feel like I don't have it. Is Is that a consideration? Oh, definitely. You definitely have to look at it. Um, you know, if uh, you know, I got a few offers when I first come out of uh, the AFL system, but I actually wanted to get some life skills. Yeah. And yeah, you know, I've been inside the four walls for twelve years, and mm, mm. Um, and then you know those deals don't come. You know, as mm. soon as you're out, you're and then the next year you're out. There's there's new players that are coming out of the system. Mm. So you know, each year it yeah. becomes harder and harder. But for me personally, I wanted to coach my own team and my own football club. A lot of guys go straight into assistant coaching, but they've actually never coached an actual team mm. and actually build a game plan and build a pre-season and build so a whole football club. So um, that's what I wanted to do sort of in my 30s. And then in my 40s, I probably, yeah, I haven't looked too far ahead, but, um, yeah. Such an interesting tightrope, isn't it, to you sort of on one hand you go, yeah, there's a goal to observe and to go for, 
that's the whole reason you're doing what you're doing. But the most important thing is to be centred into the process that's happening right yep. now. Straddle those two things, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on the next training session. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? That's all I'm focusing on. Yeah. Well, life, look, life's a journey. If we reach that destination, that's... That's the end of it, isn't it? Yep. But the so, process is the fun part, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like if you, like what Beam said, if you're thinking about the end, you're missing all the, well, all the, the bits in between. You know, it, it's interesting that people underrate kids um, in terms of their knowledge. Is that you know they say that kids are like sponges; they absorb mm. everything that we, you know, we're talking about. I think as adults, we like to too. The only reason we don't absorb is because we don't want to listen. We talked about this last week was yeah. are you hearing me or are you listening to That's me? That's right, yeah. Mm. And so it, it's quite important that we also as adults think that we have something to learn from other people. I mean, you, you would go in coaching and I'm sure that there's lessons you learned psychologically or physically watching the game that you might not have thought of before. Oh, absolutely, yep. So, you know, it, there's... The day that we say that we've learnt everything is the no, day that we're finished. That's right. Yeah. And that's another thing, you know, we're all about a growth mindset. So mm-hmm. being open to learning new things and being vulnerable. And that's what this, you know, are, yeah, are you yeah. okay stuff is being vulnerable. So they go sort of hand in hand. I speak to, you know, as I said, I've got 75 players. I speak to yeah. them on a daily basis. And that's, it's usually not about football relation. It could be a family issue. And when they open up to you, you know, You've got to do whatever you can to help that kid yeah. and, you know, because you've built that relationship with them. So you stop everything. And um, that's, the way, that's the way I was brought up and um, I, was lucky, I, I was lucky I had really good parents around me. Not everyone has that. Not everyone no. has great mentors. Yeah. So sometimes they feed off you. We actually said just before we started this podcast that um, we we're going to talk about your football career and I said, well, that won't go for longer than three minutes. Um, <laughs> We've actually we've actually <laughs> filled in a bit of time, which is quite amazing. But because uh, I thought I might spend a bit of time talking about the beamer out of work, yep. the person behind the face, and you and I have had uh, many occasions where we've had uh, some good nights, and obviously you got to have time to yourself to enjoy. I mean, you, you've just gone through everything there that's a whole lifespan, and you're still in it of football. Yep. What's your getaway? Yeah, well, I believe in uh, having balance, all right, so uh, balance in life. Um, yes, I take my football seriously and I'm thinking about it the majority of the time. But I also like to get away, whether it's going up to Noosa, going to the Gold Coast, getting in the water. You know, I'm not surfer or anything like that, but I just love being around the ocean as well. So um, that's probably my getaway. Well, I thought it's interesting you say that because I thought it might have been the one that got away. Oh, <laughs> which one? Is this well, a segue? No. Yeah, is this a segue to something? He's led, no, he's led me in here. No, that, I didn't lead you in. I didn't throw a hook. Like it's you've grabbed the bait. Like <laughs> for for people out in that. Uh, break. Uh, I do enjoy uh, fishing from time to time, uh, mate. Uh, what was uh, the one that got away? We, no, uh, well, no, 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 no. Well. For a lot of people who really don't know, like this guy's a good-looking guy. We actually thought for a little while he was going to go on The Bachelorette. Oh, no way. Well, probably The Bachelor because... Beams would have killed that. But (laughs) for those that don't know, the one that got away was Holly. Holly? Lance. 
What's that? That was a long time ago, mate. Well, come on, we're talking a long time ago. Well, what was that? No, we we went on a date. That was it. You know. Well, anyone so, remember Holly Valance? I think everyone remembers Holly Valance, and Ben's got to go Valance? on a date with her. Is it? Oh, I don't remember Holly Valance. Oh, are you serious? Who's on neighbours? Neighbours. Oh no! Oh god. Yeah, see, oh, I'll be just... Why don't you just bring up uh, <laughs> oh, no, Cowboy look, from the Henderson kids yeah, for fuck's sake? Oh, no, we, we actually... Jesus Christ, uh, guys, it's 2022. <laughs> no, no. Mate, you're... Uh, how old are you now? I'm 37, turning 38 next week. Mate, Neil. yeah, 28th? Yes, 28th, 28th. of January. So um, what's what's the vision of settling down for Beamer? Yeah, look, um, there she is. Um, <laughs> who knows? I'm, I'm, I'm sort of just, I'm very consumed in, in what I'm doing uh, yeah. at the moment with footy and do I want to settle down and have kids? Yes, yeah, I'd okay. love to. Yeah. Um, when 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 that's going to happen, I, I can't give you that answer. So. Oh, no, I've, look, at this moment I don't think you could give me that answer. <laughs> um, but, look, no, and I, look, it is for... Uh, Knowing you, that that's that's interesting to hear that it's on your uh, the tick list. I'm sure you'll get there, Beams. Thanks, because mate. Um, I have seen um, a couple of people that have been under your arm, and uh, you're a good-looking guy. And I'm sure that that's going to be a Beams good would place. be an awesome dad. And, and actually, yeah, for sure, yeah. it actually reminds me of a night that because again, for a lot of people, Beam and I um, more personable friends instead instead of footy. Uh, we had a night here one night where um, Beam, myself, and um, we will say a person of notoriety turned up. We're having a few beers, and a friend of ours, a girl, was here and uh, asking. She was asking a lot of questions of this other person. And when she left, and our mate of notoriety left, Beam said to me, um, she would have asked like five from five. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so we've. We've created a little segment here, <laughs> just in honour of Beam and sort of you know creating it in in the. So thank you, Beams. You um yeah, you. you gave us the old five from five. <laughs> so so welcome to the five from five. First question: Have you ever used your name to get in somewhere or get something? Uh, yeah, probably when I was younger. You know, in my younger days, but uh, give, us, give us a story. No, I, I wouldn't. I, it was happened that many times. I can't, oh, no. <laughs> You're still doing. <laughs> no. so, I think we'd carry, all be guilty. Carrying of that. footy cards around and no, but uh, no. As were, I said, were, I come from humble, those, humble uh, beginnings. Be if, I, if I did that, my mates would bail me. It was never. I never went to the nightclubs where footy players sort of hung out because I didn't want to find. I didn't want to. That's where the trouble that's happens. Right, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I used to just go to you know, places no one knew about. Yeah. 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 Okay. So the answer's no. So they didn't know me anyway. The answer's, <laughs> the answer's no. I know the answer's yes. But anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. Number two. How much time do you spend on social media? Uh, well, and I, and I'm just going to say I know you like Instagram. Yeah. 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 And I like me reels. I like putting a few videos together and um, oh, I use it for the footy club as well because really you're promoting the club. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the recruits who have picked up this year not have come from my posts, I won't say that, but they can actually see what we're doing. That's right, you know, yeah. I'm talking about the club and if you can't see it and see what we're doing, it's very hard to, yep. you know, paint the picture. So it, it really helps with that. So that's a lot of the time I'm on there, you know, for club, you know, for work reasons. But, you know, I do... 
yeah, I, I love um, having a good time with my mates and, and sharing it. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that and, um, you know, at, at a certain level. And <laughs> But, <laughs> you know, I'm, I've got great friends, I've got great people around me, great family and, um, yeah, I like sharing it. So um, that's... Yeah, this is a, an interesting question because it, I think we've probably asked this of ourselves a few times, but um, let's get it in the public. Who's the best player you've played with yep. or against and why? Okay, so there's obviously a few. Um, yep. Best player I played with at uh, Geelong was Matthew Scarlett, um, fullback, uh, tremendous player. Gary Ablett wasn't at his peak then. He eventually become, you know, nearly Geelong's greatest player with his old man. But, um, yeah, at that time, Scarlo was was at his prime, was in his prime. He was a fantastic player. Um, would never get beaten. And um, and then I went to Melbourne. David Neitz was the best player I played with there. Um, you know, the inspirational captain, uh, leading goalkeeper of the club, just a, just a great man and, um, you know, just a true leader, someone you'd want to follow. But, yeah, um, and then at Brisbane, um, you know, Brownie and Blackie were coming to an end, but they were champion players, uh, really hard trainers, you know, same thing, great leaders. Mm. Um, but, you know, uh, who else? That's probably it, the guys I played with. Guys I played against, you know, Wayne Carey was an absolute superstar, probably coming to the end of his career when I started. Uh, Michael Voss was an absolute, you know, um, yeah, he was... He was in his prime when I was when mm. I was just starting out, and if he hit you, you knew you knew about mm. it. Yeah. Um, Vossi was a champion. Every week, you know, you're playing the midfield. Every week, you're playing on superstars. Mm. Chris Judd, you know, what a what a player. Explosiveness, speed. Mm. Um, yeah, I couldn't go with him, but you know, every week, Benny Cousins, um, you know, Andrew McLeod. Every team, Lenny Hayes, you know, mm. doesn't get mentioned. He was a champion player. Lenny Hayes. Um, and, so, there's, and there's people, do you reckon there's people you've seen, like I, I know my answer to this, but is there people you've seen that never made it that were just superstars? Oh, there's a, there's a lot of stories, especially you know, in Victoria, um, a lot of guys who I grew up with who when I was coming through, like Kuda was, you know, an athlete. I was sort of looking at, at guys like that, you know, more the athlete. Mm. And then Brisbane started winning and they were all big bodies, the Scott twins, you know, Vossi, you know, Lepa, they were all just big bodies. Yeah. And I was a big kid, like I was a big – so I was lucky to mm, sort of mm. probably get drafted. You came a lot in of the right mates time. Yeah. who were better players, but they just didn't have the physique or the mm. body shape or they were a little bit shorter than me, whatever it was. Yeah. I don't know what it was. They didn't get picked up. They had fantastic careers, country footballers, played in the VFL. Yeah. You know, Matty Payne comes to, mm. you know, Cam Islet, a guy yeah. in, um, in Northern Territory, another one. But Payne, you know, he's won 12 club best and fairest, um, uh, three MVPs and, and two Grogan medals. So everywhere he's gone, he's won. I, I can't believe he didn't get an opportunity. But, um, yeah, there's, there's stories like that all around Australia, not mm. just in AFL, not just mm. – I'm sure there's in yeah, rugby league, whatever sports, sport yeah. you play, um, there's always an unlucky one that misses out. Yeah. Mate, you might not need to grab your phone for this, but I'd like to hear the last text you just sent. <laughs> read it. Do you want to read it out? Hang on. <laughs> oh, I sent um, some photos to Oscar Stewart. Oh, okay, A young mate. kid that I was 
Um, I actually sitting next, I'm me. actually sitting next to him and he went about three texts down. By yeah, the way. but these are all missed calls. <laughs> oh, these are all missed calls. <laughs> yeah, missed calls don't count. No, that's oh, not. No, okay, last text. Uh, we're trying to recruit this guy and unfortunately um, he's, he's heading home. His mum's um, got an illness. So I said, hey, Kyle, just heard the news. Thanks for going through the process, mate. As much as we would have loved you at Hickey Park this year, we understand your decision as family comes first. Enjoy your time back home. We'll be watching you with interest. Let's hope we can get you up in season 23. Cheers, yeah. Beamer. Champion. 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 That's the last one. Yep. Mate, uh, one last one. Yes. Five from five. Five from five. And uh, I think this tells everything about a person whose favourite movie. Favourite movie. Happy Gilmore. Oh, <laughs> that's prob- movie. That's probably the worst. <laughs> I, I watch it ten times a year. Yeah. Sure, surely it's Easy. not like Shawshank Redemption or something. Oh, Point Break. I love Point Break. That's I a dope movie too. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, you, start with, you started with Happy Gilmore. Yeah, I know. It's a comedy. Bloody. It's a classic. But Patrick Swayze, Keanu Reeves, Point Break. And the yeah. other one is Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so yeah. They're, they're three totally different movies. Yeah, no, you're way off track. They're, they're but they're all, all in the 90s. <laughs> but they're all in the 90s, except maybe Crocodile Dundee. That's it was 1986. So, you know. Um, Look, it's been a fascinating night, Boomer. We, um, as we said, uh, we, we were going to start out talking a little bit about footy and we were wondering how we'd fill up any time. But, uh, <laughs> mate, it's been a pleasure hearing about your process through life um, as a person and what you've had to offer, what you've had to learn and what you've had to teach the community and what you keep giving is admirable to listen to tonight. And certainly from from my point of view as a friend, uh, it's great to have you on the podcast and, and share your stories because this is what it's all about, is just talking about um, what life's about and what we can pass on. And, and certainly you've become a pupil that's become a good educator. And, you know, we, we talked earlier about some of the people that some of very hard to be a good player or a great player and a great coach. I mean, mate, you've um, you've shown me tonight that, and I, I have seen is that, um, mate, obviously you were a very good player and you're, you're going along the lines of being a good coach in terms of life skills and what you're teaching people because this is all, this podcast is all about not just the life skills of being a good footballer, it's about the life skills of where our mental mental health mm. is and all those other aspects. Mm. And that's what you're teaching people and that's great to see, mate. Yeah, oh, thanks. Thanks, mate. And thanks, guys. I Thank you so much. I absolutely love what you guys are doing and I really appreciate um, you guys getting me on the show. No, we're blessed. Thank you so much, brother. Thank, Thank you, you, brother. No worries. Cheers. Oh. Till next time. See you later. Ciao for now. Bye. Thank you for our special guests tonight for providing an insight into their life which hopefully resonates with our followers. Also, a special thanks to you, our followers, who give the Just Some Brothers crew motivation to put together our podcast which allows us to send a message. A message that helps hopefully with you today and tomorrow. It's now time to sign off and say enjoy your week. Thank you for listening to Just Some Brothers. Ciao for now. The D's, Maloney, still Maloney, still Maloney, kicks the ball to half forward, what a new in